Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that's getting kind of tired about complaining about how bad Manchester United are. Actually, no. <laughs> I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> Starting with that. Okay, the voice that you heard just now was suffering Manchester United fan, Mifzal Malik. Admittingly. And suffering fan number two, Nicholas John. Hello, hello. Speaking of number two, Mizal, how are you? <laughs> why? What? Why? Why? It's like a targeted attack on me. Because you're a United fan. A smug United fan. We are back after the international break. And um, let's take a look at some of the Premier League matches that happened at the weekend. First up, Manchester United lost 3-1 at Brighton. More specifically... They lost to a Brighton side that had its midfield decimated by the summer transfer window. Even more specifically, a team that spent around £200 million on new signings were beaten 3-1 by a team whose midfield was decimated in the summer transfer window. Well, granted, this is an injury-ravaged United team. Um, they can feel the full first-team squad of injured and suspended players, but how much of that was a factor against Brighton? At this point, right? Even if we had a 100% fit squad, I really believe that we would be at our best. Because the problem, for me at least, is far more than just having everyone where they're supposed to be on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I know Nick refuted when I said that the environment in United is toxic mm-hmm. in the last episode. But now, I truly believe it is toxic. Because if you watch... If you okay, I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest right now. Mm-hmm. I didn't bother watching the game. <laughs> I don't blame you, dude. <laughs> you didn't didn't miss much. If even googling the scoreline mm-hmm. hurt me, I can't imagine how much stress I would have been through actually going through the whole game. But mm-hmm. I did watch the highlights. That itself hurt me a lot. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Ten Hag is, I respect one thing about him. He he has this kind of flair during press conferences Mm -hmm. that make you believe that he knows what's going on when in reality, he knows Jack. I swear, he he is so confident in press conferences. Okay, okay, I'm going to jump to uh, Ten Hag's defense, right? Okay, how many managers have you guys had since Fergie left? There was Moyes. Moyes. Uh, there was Van Hal. Mourinho. Uh, there was Mourinho. There was Oli. There was Oli. Ragnick. Uh, Ragnick. You had six different managers bringing in six different philosophies mm. and nothing has panned out. Obviously, it is not the manager. Something is rotten at the very top. Ah, glazers. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get him started on that. Ah, yes. The Glazers. And that, and that kind of like concludes everything from, mm. from the chemistry between the players to the facilities at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. It all comes together to make, it's like a recipe. Yeah, remember when we first started following football, right? We had this impression of Old Trafford being the theatre of dreams, a place where opposing teams fear to tread, right? And now it's like, from what I've read, there's like crumbling infrastructure. Yeah, literally, literally a leaking roof mm. when it rains. It's so, just a theatre of a dream on, on paper. Isn't it? That's it. Okay, th- that that that's the big picture, right? Mm. Looking at it, f- focusing in a little bit on 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 the team now. Uh, I, I think Eric Ten Hag has run out of goodwill mm-hmm. uh, because when he first joined, he was given a bit of leeway 
in a sense, uh, on account of him needing time to rebuild the team mm. and bringing the players that he wants and all that. It's been one season. And while I'm not suggesting that one season is all you need to sort of turn the team around, uh, it, it is enough time for the team to start showing some kind of progress, which I, I don't think they've, they've, they've shown this season specifically. Because mm-hmm. if you look at last season, they finished, oh, what, third in the league? Mm-hmm. Uh, they won the EFL Cup. Okay, uh, I have seen some progress though. There's mm. been a marked increase in the number of convicts and offenders in the United squad. Well, how is that an improvement? <laughs> <laughs> that's Compared a further zero. <laughs> well, that's a further slip. <laughs> right. So yeah, but, but it's a team third in the league, FA Cup finalists, EFL Cup winners. You would expect them to to sort of like move up a step from there mm-hmm. but they've regressed I think and and what what, what are they now uh, 13th in the league yes. after 5 games uh, only 2, two wins 2 wins 3 defeats, three defeats. So yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that that does not sound like progress to me and you know if you talk about finding an excuse you know mm-hmm. we, we used to say that oh Ten Hag needs time he needs mm-hmm. his players and all that uh, I came across a stat that said that six of United's uh, starting eleven against mm-hmm. Brighton were all his signings. Mm-hmm. So he, this is essentially half of it is already his team. So what excuse does he have now? It the they've yet to gel together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong if he just says, "Okay, things didn't go well. You know, we didn't get our tactics." Why? Why does he always have to come up with this statement where he he shows that? Oh, I've got everything under control, you know. Uh, I mean, you have to say that if if he starts panicking, going, ah, we're all gonna die, we're gonna get relegated. That's, that's, that's a bit too extreme, Faisal. What my point? Find a sweet spot where you can control the the, the the temperature at the same time admit that things did not go well for the team. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that, that's the thing about managers as well. You know, nobody's gonna come out and say, oh yeah, we effed up. Suck. You know, <laughs> we suck. Managers are always gonna try and put a positive spin he's, on it. He's giving politician right now well, unless your name is Antonio Conte then he straight out says it yeah well <laughs> in but, order but, to get sacked yes <laughs> you see that's the difference with Conte he wants to get sacked um, fun fact Brighton have beaten United in four of their last five encounters their only win uh, came from last year's FA Cup semi-final four matches in the league all defeats against Brighton um, United as you mentioned Nick 13th place after five matches, two wins, three defeats. If they bounce back and finish in the top four, I think it's going to be as monumentous as them actually winning the bloody Premier League. Yeah, and that's a big if like, based on, on their current form. Yeah, it's a big no, if they, if they qualify for the Europa. <laughs> There's no sign right now showing that you know you even want to win. So I, I don't see that happening. Oh, come on. Weirder things have happened. Like United winning a match. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on. Tottenham left it really late to claim a 2-1 win over Sheffield United. I mean, literally, it was the record for the most late victory in Premier League history. Spurs scored both their goals in the 8th and 10th minutes of injury time. Guys, forget about Fergie time. It's Angie time now. eh? Mm. Uh, Seriously, though, props to uh, the Spurs team and huge props to Postecoglou. Yeah, I I love late wins, you know. Being a United fan, <laughs> we have a history of that. Um, and I think this was a good example of the kind of uh, 
perseverance you need to to succeed in the EPL. Uh, and uh, yeah, I agree with you. Huge props to to Postecoglou for firing his team up. And I, I felt that the win was also a little bit more special considering the opposition came in with a very negative approach to the game because Postecoglou likes this this you know very vibrant, mm-hmm. uh, fast flowing style. Mm-hmm. So they came to stifle that. And the mm-hmm. fact that they went a goal down and not just equalized, but scored the winner as well mm-hmm. in injury time, it, it takes it takes a lot like, to, to mm-hmm. fire a team up for that. To be fair, this is also uh, Sheffield's fault because their delaying tactics and all, that led to the 10, 10 plus minutes of injury time. That led to Spurs scoring. Muka. Yeah. Play yeah, fast. No point of delaying things anymore, right? So mm. I mean, that's what the new rule is for, right? Yeah. Now, uh, one thing I like about Ange, right? Um, he was asked this question about whether Spurs fans uh, should temper their expectations. He said, oh, no, mate. <laughs> they should just mm. enjoy themselves. It's not his job to burst their bubbles. It's actually the players. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you have to agree with him. I mean, even like, well, I'm not a Spurs fan, but I'm, I'm really loving the team under Postacoglu mm-hmm. and then the kind of football they are playing. Uh, what is it now? Four, four wins on, on the trot for them already, second in the standings and all this without Harry Kane, you know, who, who would have thought this possible in you know, a couple of years back? How so, much of it was because Kane has gone? Eh? Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, regardless, but, you know, they're getting the results. They are playing very entertaining football. It's, it's a joy to watch. I'm, I'm not surprised that the fans are, you know, sort of getting a bit carried away. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, understandable. Okay, Liverpool also had to come from behind to beat Wolves 3-1 in the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Uh, they started sluggishly but came back after the break with goals from Cody Hakpo, Andy Robertson and the Wolves' own goal. Uh, leaders Man City needed to come back from a goal down to beat West Ham 3-1. Arsenal had a 1-0 win over Everton. And uh, here's a fact you might not believe. It's Arsenal's first win at Goodison Park since, guess what, 2017. Uh, Chelsea had a goalless draw against Bournemouth. Well, at least Chelsea didn't lose again. (laughs) (laughs) That was the only game I watched, by the way. And and, and And no goals. You picked the only only game of the weekend that had no goals in it. Okay, lesson learned. Watch a United match. At least it'll end nil-nil. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully the jinx will work. See, you need to think smart. Tap hand on forehead. Uh, Newcastle, 1-0 win over Brentford. Apparently, this has given boss Eddie Howe a bit of a lifeline, if the rumours are to be believed. Fulham beat Luton 1-0. Aston Villa beat Crystal Palace 3-1. Nottingham Forest and Burnley had a one-all draw. Now, as I mentioned at the start, all these matches happened after last week's international break. Arguably, the biggest news during that time was the sacking of Germany boss Hansi Flick after a 4-1 friendly loss to Japan. And um, it happened just nine months or so before they host the Euros. Rudy Voller is in temporary charge while they look for a full-time replacement. Now, some rumours were linking the full-time job with a Jürgen Klopp, but that got shot down pretty much quickly. As quickly as a United goal, conceding <laughs> a goal. Oh, why? <laughs> uh, maybe it could happen after his Liverpool contract ends. But for now, though, the clear favourite is Julian Nagelsmann. But 
it is going to be complicated because apparently uh, Bayern Munich sacked Nagelsmann, what was it, last year or something like that? Yeah. Currently, he is still under contract at Bayern, basically on gardening leave, collecting, what, £6 million a year until 2026. How does that work? I don't know. Apparently, it does, though. <laughs> when you buy in, you can afford to sack managers and just leave them on payroll. Yeah, so if the German FA wants to sign Nagelsmann, they have to pay out the remainder of his Bayern contract. Another name mentioned is uh, Louis van Gaal, but... I don't know. That seems unlikely given his current battle with cancer. Uh, someone else mentioned. Uh, someone else that was mentioned by the media is former World Cup winner Miroslav Klose. Uh, he previously served as assistant manager for both Bayern and Germany. Currently, he's in charge of Austrian club Rheindorf Altach. Say that fast three times. That fast three times. Rheindorf Altach. Rheindorf Altach. Rheindorf Altach. Um, I'm not sure, but the current race, the, the current um, hunt for a manager is going to be closer. Oh, come on. <laughs> Play on words. No, but, but in all, all honesty, uh, Nagelsmann looks the favourite to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Klopp as well, but I, I, I'm guessing Klopp is one for the future. He, he seems very committed to his uh, mm-hmm. Liverpool contract. Um, but Nagelsmann is, well, you know, he's long been touted as like the future mm. of German football. He's young, he's dynamic, he's the kind of manager that, that mm. you would need moving forward. Um, but, but, you know, looking, looking at the results, you kind of understand why the German FA reacted the way it did mm. because, uh, they were terrible. They were terrible. Yeah. They had a horrible World Cup mm. and then they followed that up with, uh, what is it? I think failing to win any of their past five games or something, mm-hmm. and they are hosting the Euros. The Euros are coming up really, really soon. They need to stop the problem now before it mm-hmm. gets worse. You know, once it's too late, then you're stuck. Didn't we mention this in a previous podcast? I think Germany's problem now can be blamed solely on the shoulders of Pep Guardiola and his time at Bayern because he introduced that kind of style of play, you know, the... Uh, the the pep style, right? And then everybody wants to play like that. But they can't. But they can't. Yeah. Germany wanted to do that, but they can't. And that's why um, it's just not your typical efficient machine-like Germany team. Yeah, basically, they're, they're, they've strayed from what used to make them good mm-hmm. in the first place. That, that typical German efficiency, as they call it. You, you, you mentioned earlier that it, it could be difficult to get Nagelsmann. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- first of all, Conscription? <laughs> Something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, b- because look, Bayern and the German national team have a very close, mm-hmm. albeit maybe unofficial relationship. You know, you, mm-hmm. they've long been a, 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 you could almost consider them a feeder team f- for the German national team. I think mm-hmm. ha- at one point, half the German team came from Bayern. So they've, they've got this close connection. And I'm sure on Bayern's end, they will want to resolve this, this whatever issue with, with Nagelsmann as quickly as possible. They've mm-hmm. got him on payroll to sit down there and do absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be in their best interest to find a way to get him off payroll, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's also, because he's technically sacked, he gets to start work immediately. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the ideal candidate, if you look mm-hmm. at it. So, he is a free agent right now, technically. Technically, not on paper. Yeah, because he's still technically a buy-in employee at the moment, even though he's not doing anything. Well, how lovely of a life is that? Right? Yeah. If you're going to get fired, be, get fired at buy-in. <laughs> yeah, we do that. It's called constructive dismissal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm going to end it here before the podcast goes even more off the rails, <laughs> as per usual. Um, that's all for this week. We'll be back in a few more days' time. We'll be looking at uh, the Champions League matches. Oh, I am Faisal American. Maybe Zell's not looking forward to that. I'm Nicholas Jordan. Yeah, you heard it first. Signing out. <laughs> <laughs>